Hey guys, today we spoke with Kenny Bass. He is a social technical architect and a real front runner and pillar in the community of domain driven design, which is exactly what we talked about. I think you'll love it. Have a listen. Welcome to Beyond Coding, a dive into the world of successful people in IT. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders. Here's your host, Patrick Akil. Hey man, Hello. welcome Thank to you. the show. How's it going? Yeah, pretty well. Yeah, just had personal coaching, so yeah. it's always nice to uh, reflect a bit and uh, help you move forward. So, uh, who's your uh, who's your personal coach? Uh, it's outside. Yeah, it's an external Rolf van der Berg. It's okay. called, and uh, well, he was actually my mentor at my first job. Oh, nice. So it was really nice. I know him for quite, uh, I think. 10, 11 years. 10, 11 years. Yeah, and, I, and this is the third time I do official coaching with him. Before, when I was working there, he was sort of like my mentor. Yeah. And now, through CBI, I uh, yeah, do personal coaching with him. Awesome, man. And you always kept in touch then yeah. for so, uh, for so yeah. long. Yeah, it was just... Uh, I, I l- Almost everything I learned was a good basis from that first job. So yeah, that's I was awesome. really lucky. I think that's yeah, very lucky. And, and that's yeah. so awesome to have a good coach on your first job. Yeah. Because that that will kind of make or break uh, exactly. on how far you grow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I looked a lot into your past, and I saw you're you're very big on DDD yes. uh, and a lot of other stuff. But we'll save that other stuff for for later. Yeah. Um, can you kind of give us a, a synopsis on on what is DDD? Yeah, a quick synopsis is basically it's Eric Evans. Yeah. Who wrote a book? But before he wrote the book, he wrote a lot of patterns. Yeah. And from that patterns, there was this theme and that theme is what we call the core of ddd which is the essence is to have a shared mindset about the problem you're solving in in your code okay so a shared model minimalistic so if i give you the context of my first job which was an asset manager they uh, gave me training into life cycle of a trade so i know how does the trading work and by that i could communicate with the people i'm building software for so yeah. what we call in ddd the domain experts yeah and that was a uh, instant feedback even so that one of the um, net asset value people yeah went to my, sit next to me look at my code and say there's a bug exactly and the, the person couldn't write code and that's what okay. we're trying to exceed, uh, achieve with domain driven design have a shared model have a shared mindset the bounded context is the main pattern that is different from all the rest. Yeah. And that is really talking the same language with each other and having a shared model, which is not if people who write code, it's not UML, it's not a database model. No, yeah. it's a shared model linguistically. Okay. So even though you were a developer at the time, uh, you had the same linguistics, let's say, yeah. as the an- asset manager actually used. Yeah. Uh, and in that way, the communication yeah. was a lot more smooth, I guess. Exactly. So that's the goal that domain-driven design. So it's yeah. an approach. Yeah. And then the book itself, which is f- 16 years old, is just a collection of patterns that goes more into strategic patterns and tactical patterns. So there's two sides. Most developers, like me, as a start, read the first chapters, which goes more into the technical. What are entities? What are value objects? What's an aggregate? And most of the discussion you see in the coding community goes into these patterns but yeah. uh, to do that correctly you need to have the strategic patterns which is the bounded context pattern how do we collaborate with each other how do we design the communication how do we design the communication between the models between the team that's more the strategic part and that's yeah. a part that's usually neglected unfortunately 
by by developers then when you say that no, by organizations okay. because then you would say that developers have the power or the ranking to control that yeah because that don't. means no usually they don't usually they're being gatekept by an architect or by a po or by the organization that says well we have a requirement teams and they give you the requirements and you're going to build it yeah right so they're being denied to take uh, the the knowledge in the yeah. knowledge of the problem right and by denying that they can never take accountability or an ownership and the yeah. problem i always say to organization the problem there is it's not your knowledge that goes to production it's the assumption of the developers that goes to production and that's a quote by alberto brandolini oh, i like that yeah and that's the main problem we're solving in domain driven design is get that team to own the problem yeah right and and a good example i always give is you know in in a lot of the e-commerce that when you buy something they show you what others bought yeah that's actually a developer who invented that and went to his analyst and say ah, i got this great idea i got all this data and then the analyst said no that's not what we want oh, really he built it anyway and well now everyone's using it exactly so that's the power of the collaboration but it's hard uh, i can imagine that pe- there, there's a lot of uh, cultural patterns that that why people aren't doing this but yeah. well this is the essence of domain driven design creating a shared language so that if someone from the domain expert comes to you as a developer, this is what went wrong, you understand it, you know where in the code, because re- the code reflects that, where you need to find it and fix it and have that shared understanding. Yeah, so it's it's way less tra- transactional than kind of a traditional yeah. company architecture or setting. Yeah. And so it's more of a shared collaboration Exactly, and that's the third aspect. So I talked about tactical patterns, yeah. I talked about strategic patterns, and the third one is what they call collaborative modeling or participatory design. But collaborative modeling is a name the DDD or community gives to it, and that's putting people into a room and collaboratively model the problem. Yeah. And UML won't work there because people cannot talk UML. Exactly. Domain experts can usually talk UML. Yeah. So then you need to ha- to design together that uh, model yeah. so you start in chaos but chaos is really uncomfortable to be in exactly right? so yeah so that's the challenge for most domain driven designers how how do we set that collaboration exactly i can imagine from a from a dev perspective from a developer perspective you already mentioned that some information is is withheld or yep. it's being gate kept um yep. but let's say you you come across ddd and you want to influence that more within your organization how how would someone start because Ad- you need to get yeah. the right people in the room start kind of advocating it yeah uh, to get that change in yeah there's several heuristics i use one is just asking questions yeah make it explicit so always uh, well now we're in corona a uh, pop open a powerpoint presentation or just for yourself start mapping the questions you have yeah uh, there's this wordly mapping going on and Ben Monsoir, if you, if you know wordly mapping you can wordly map the conversation and just start asking hard questions yeah that they probably cannot answer because well domain experts aren't always the expert exactly um, but what but is wordly mapping wordly mapping is a technique to um, figure out by Simon wordly yeah. so oh, you you can you can read up on it free yeah but it's a way to first have the y-axis and map it. Yeah. So w- what he's saying usually when we're doing strategy, strategy, so this is outside the coding context, but when we do strategy, yeah. we don't have a map. It's like playing chess without a chessboard. Okay. Right? You're making a move without knowing your landscape. Strategically, he's a he's a board 
someone who's usually in board membership. Yeah. And he says, well, let's just map it and let expose our models to each other and make it explicit because then we can talk about it, right? Yeah. If we just have a, a, a text, right? Yeah, we want to be cloud first and yeah, that, that, that says doesn't nothing. Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. So yeah. he says, let's first create a landscape okay. like the ancient um, war people did, right? I have a map. Where are we? Where's the exactly. enemy? What's the landscape? What's the weather? What's the ground? And yeah. that's wordly mapping and they do that by value streaming. So what does the customer want? What's their need? How do we solve it? And then go deeper and deeper and then put where are these capabilities in the life cycle of capitalism, he calls it. Yeah. So you have four phases. The first phase is like, well, that's really totally new. Yeah. Second one is, well, it's productized. So it's th- it's out there. It, it's it's out there. Then you have it's, it's scaling. Okay. And then you have capabilities. So yeah. depending on the access where you are, you can take your strategy then on the product, right? Do yeah. I need to... This product is this. Do I need to force it to four or not? Yeah. Right, to the fourth phase. So that's wordly mapping, but you can do that on any story, right? I can do that on my personal life as well. If I have a problem, I can map it. Yeah. If someone gives me a problem, I can map it. Yeah. And that's really nice. Yeah. So it's kind of setting the landscape then for for yourself or for your your context, I guess. Yeah. And then acting accordingly, I guess. Yeah, so that's one way. That's the secret mapper. Ben Monsoir calls it the secret mapper, right? Yeah. You're mapping it for yourself, asking all these hard questions to people because you know the landscape now. They don't, so you have exactly. an advantage. So that's a way because I'm going at this as that you're lower in ranking. Sure. And that's the yeah. implicit ranking, right? You're, you're a coder, so usually you're lower than the architect or the analyst or the PO. That's the way it is usually, unfortunately. Um, so you need to ask tough questions yeah. uh, and protect yourself, set boundaries. Well, if you want this, I need to have these ans- questions answers. Else I cannot build it. So yeah. make them really explicit. Another way I've done it is um, guerrilla event storming. So event storming is a big thing in domain-driven design yeah. where you just use stickies, uh, which is a domain event, in a timeline to tell a story. So again, storytelling. Yeah. You do that collaboratively. But usually I... Sometimes in a in, in in a setting, I would do that for myself. I just start and asking people questions to, is it this or is it this? And just visualize the story. Okay. That in itself can already work because yeah. then you're challenging their story. Everyone has stories. And the same would go with example mapping. Can you give me an example? Okay. People familiar with example mapping comes from behavior-driven development, also a collaborative modeling technique. So worldly uh, event storming, Example mapping, user story mapping are all these practices or techniques you can use yeah. in order to collaborate on modeling. Yeah. Um, but if you want to start, basically, can you can you give me an example? Because the moment you mentioned let's do event storming, then people can target event storming. No, I don't want to do event storming. Exactly. But if you just be there present and ask questions, well, that's it'll where it starts. It'll go by itself. Yeah. Do you mean A or do you mean B? Exactly. Just only ask questions. Yeah, it's kind of trying to, to find the truth behind what's what's on the yeah. surface, I guess. What's the need? Yeah. The five whys people call it. or Exactly. Yeah, getting you, to the problem. You mentioned a lot of like patterns and designs. Uh, but to me, first of all, I, I don't know all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but from kind of a gut feeling, I, I do act accordingly. Like, like you're saying, ask a lot of questions, find the truth behind it, kind of map out the landscape, either on paper or, or in my head. Do you think actually reading about the patterns will, will make you better at that? Because it already comes from kind of a, a base gut feeling yeah. for a lot of people. 
Yeah, so what domain-driven design actually makes it different is that it focuses on language. And yeah. language is ambiguous. You have several forms of ambiguous language, right? If I yeah. say duck, I can mean the, the bird or the bird or the animal, yeah. or I can say you need to duck because exactly. there's a ball coming. So yeah. there's ambiguity in language. And domain-driven design, the patterns, especially the bounded context, focuses on that ambiguity of language. Okay. So the bounded context pattern itself is a linguistic boundary, as in here we talk th this and here we mean this word this. So we're trying to be precise. Yeah. And if you go to like anthropology or other, uh, well, anthropology as a as a, as a research, they say, well, you're trying to make language consistent. Yeah. Well, have fun. That's never going to happen. Exactly. So that's why we want to create small boundaries, like local ones. Okay. And the classic mistake we usually make is a user is really ambiguous and the example I usually give is, okay, when I go for a new uh, insurance, so uh, health insurance in the Netherlands is every year you can renew it. Yeah. So if I, uh, in November, have an go to another insurance company, am I a customer at that insurance company? The new one. The new one, if I sign the contract. I mean, you're a potential customer, right? I'm a potential customer yeah. because, A, I don't need to pay yet because exactly. that starts in January when... But B, if I have a problem, I need to go to the customer support. Yeah, exactly. So there I am a user. You see where the linguistic boundary can see? So yeah. it's responsibility and is linguistic. So I like to split that because there's a, a user for customer journeys, another user, or a user for customer services, another user than for billing. Exactly. And there I made the split, and that's what we call domains. Okay. Right? The problem space is where we have the problems, and then for the bounded context, which is the solution, we yep. design it together. We say, well, you just call it user, and that's there, that's that behavior. I also call it user, but there here's the boundary. Yeah. Similar to in the Netherlands, I always give this example. In the Netherlands, you have a real hard boundary on what we call patat or friet. <laughs> That's a real exactly. hard one. If you're saying frit, it's a south. If you're saying patat, it's the north. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a hard linguistic boundary. And that's how we usually also explain domain driven design. Okay, you can call it different over there in your boundary and we call it different here and, and we collaboratively design that language. So that makes it different. So if you read the patterns, every question you tell usually goes into language more. Yeah. So that's a, a long answer, but <laughs> no worries. That, that's the mind shift people make if you really dive into domain-driven design, that your questions are more focused on responsibility, so that's the purpose, yeah. and the language. Yeah. Because so those are the drivers of splitting software up. Exactly. Is that also then how you define kind of the domains within an organization? As in, you mentioned billing and you mentioned, let's say, customer support. They have the same kind of user, but they're in a different context. And um, the goals there are different as well. Yeah, so there's a difference we call between the problem space, which you call the purpose space, which yeah. where the domains live, and which is customer support. And, and that's something an enterprise architect usually is concerned with, right? Wh what are the problem spaces? Where are my boundaries of responsibility in the problem space? Which is, which means, and these are the strategic patterns of domain-driven design that most people don't go in. It's, yeah. the, sec it's the fourth part of the book. But it's, and, and it's ambiguous for a reason because you need to collaboratively negotiate where these boundaries are exactly. and where these boundaries live. So people just sometimes come to me, yeah, can you tell me what, what are the domains? I say, no, but we can explore it together, yeah. collaboratively model that together. So get people into a room, negotiate with each other where the boundaries is because a boundary is a negotiation. It's not a wall. 
right? What, what do you mean when you say boundary? Is it kind of where the end of the responsibility is yep. of, of one party? Of the problem is. Okay. So it's uh, an ordering mechanism. So we're, we're uh, ordering problems in higher domains and subdomains. So that's just an ordering. Yeah. And at some point we say, well, this group is responsible for that. This group is... And then within that domain, there are several other problems we need to solve. Yeah. So you're organizing the problems into domains. And the example really we give is, let's say you're moving. Okay. You're, I recently moved houses. Nice. And then you say, I have a few problems in my house. I, I need to paint the walls. Yeah. I need to build a cabinet. And um, I need to move stuff. Yeah. So these are problems. So I can divide them. So I have boxes to move. Yeah. Right? So I can put solutions for these problems in these boxes. That's how I usually explain it without IT, right? And then I say, well, am I going to put the sanding machine in the box of the painting or in the box of the cabinet making? Because both need sanding. Exactly. But I only have one machine. Yep. Maybe I need to buy a second machine. What do we do? Right? So that's the problem space. So I have boxes in the problem space. Where do I put what problem? Exactly. And the thing is that we need a minimal negotiation so a minimal concept of where the boundaries are and who's responsible for these problems exactly because i can imagine that there's going to be heavy discussions on on where responsibility actually lies yes if there's a problem that's kind of between people and in the middle yeah how do they usually resolve that or how do you help people resolve well that's that? in the negotiation talk about it yeah uh, because um and this is from jay bloom he calls it coherence so you have, on one side, you can have the Tower of Babel, yep. where everyone sits in their own domain and doesn't know what the other domain does. So now I have a problem, which is, if I need to talk to them, I don't know what they do. Yep. So I have a, I need to take a hit into understanding their minim- the concepts they have to in order to collaborate. We need to understand just enough in order to collaborate what you mean and what mine mean. And that's, in that collaboration, in these in these things, we create the boundaries, right? What yeah. is yours, what is mine, and what spans in between? That's what Ruth Malan says. Okay. And um, But it's minimalistic. We have the tendency to be accurate instead of complete. So I want to be complete and minimalistic. Minimalistic yeah. concept and complete. What do you mean by we, we tend to be accurate instead of complete? Well, we like to solve problems. So for that, so for something to solve, we need to be really accurate about what something is. Okay, so, so we need to deep dive. Yeah. And the strategic patterns are more about a broad dive. And sometimes you need to deep dive, but it's something you need to manage. So I like to favor completeness over accuracy. Okay. Um, I always show the picture of the duck or um, the rabbit. Do you yeah. know that picture? It's no. a really So in that picture, you can see either a duck or you can see a rabbit. It's one picture, but you can see both. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I can be accurate and I can say I see a duck. But that doesn't make me complete because there's always a rabbit. Exactly. And you can only be complete if you let go of the other thing, right? I can only see the duck if I let go of the rabbit and vice versa. Yeah. And that's completeness versus accurate. And this is a really simple example. But if if you have you ever seen the dress? That's for me. It's blue with gold, and for others, it's black. Yeah, the one with the colors. Yeah, I cannot see black. (laughs) For some reason, I always see blue. Yeah, exactly. Someone and it's hard to let the accuracy go. Yeah, and for strategic patterns, accuracy is and and perfectionism is your enemy, because we cannot be. A reality is complex; it's fuzzy. So we need to have minimalistic boundaries to start with, and yeah. from there start exploring and constantly negotiating where that boundary is. Exactly. While moving forward, and that's the hard part because we try to be exact and accurate, 
sorry, you cannot be, it's too complex sometimes. Yeah, exactly. You mentioned kind of a situation in which domains don't really communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And when they do, they need to kind of bridge a gap yeah. uh, in communicating. Yeah, and take a hit. And, and take a hit probably because yeah. it's going to take some time. Yeah. Um, how do you create that, that shared uh, kind of understanding of, of each other's domain to such a point that you can have that conversation? Yeah. So one thing we do a lot at customers is doing a uh, collaborative modeling sessions. Yeah. That's usually, it can be three, it, it depends on how much hit they take. So we can never say how long it takes, but usually we, we try to take two full days for that. Okay. Or four half days now in Corona time because yeah. full day is not really that uh, helpful. And then we go in and we use event storming. So yeah. we have 30 people into a room and say to them, okay, here's a orange sticky. It represents a domain event, something that has happened. And tell me in your words, in what you do, create a story with these events, right? So yeah. if I take the cinematic domain, Right. First, I need to reserve something. A customer is reserving a ticket. Then uh, we're reserving a seat for that customer. Then they can change probably. And this is a whole storyline I can tell, right? What's the storyline of your business? So 30 people in the room have that most of the time have all the knowledge instead of one person cannot know all. Exactly. Right? So I put everyone together and it's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, it's going to be messy, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, and that's my job as a facilitator to... Uh, let people be okay with the mess and the uncomfortable they have. Because okay. and there can and there will be conflict and that's the second part you need to manage the conflict. Yeah. And usually in that conflict where you see, yeah, but I call it this, yeah, but I call it he this. Okay. Then you call it that and you call it this. There's a boundary there. Yeah. Great. So, so that's so okay? When people call it they have their on own. On a big picture level, yes, I don't I try to be complete, not accurate. Okay. So that that's the sense. big picture level. So I try to be everything that is, that is. That's the, how they do it now. Yeah. And together we create the boundaries and swim lanes in that big picture event storming. So together awesome. we model the problems in processes. Yeah. And afterwards I do a context mapping session, which is, comes from domain-driven design, uh, only we do it slightly different. We, we try to add domains in it. And then we start negotiating, okay, these swim lanes, these problems, as I said, as an example, uh, in my moving, I need to paint the walls, I need to uh, sand, I need to, that's all... Where would you put them in which box? Yeah. And again, that's a negotiation. And we do that, of course, in smaller groups and then come together again and constantly have that discussion or yeah. that dialogue together where the boundaries is. And then that is how you form the boundaries. And you, you don't do this on a one-off. You need to keep doing this every so often, every so month. You come back. And what you will see is that it, the first time it takes a lot of time because yeah. you don't have the shared understanding, but as long as you keep doing it and keep explaining to each other based on what you created, then it, it's going to get easier and easier. Yeah, and and that's what I do with most companies, and then then they have their ideal situation where they can act on. Yeah, what happens when let's say a problem's in the middle? First, I don't know if it's my responsibility or or my colleagues in their department. What happens when it's more clear like that? Does the company run more efficiently, or what does that do to the organization? You create better communication, so you yeah. So you have the Western model for anyone who's read Accelerate, the book by Nicole Forsgren, Gene Kim, and uh, Jess Humble. Yeah, and Nicole Forsgren did research, and they they took Western's model of culture. So you have pathological, bureaucratic, and generic yeah. uh, cultures. So um, now what we create is a safety for people to start collaborating and start communicating with each other with these boundaries. So people can now take responsibility because now they know, okay, this is inside my boundary, so I can take responsibility of here because this is me. Yeah. 
This is us as a yeah. team, right? So in that Western model, they talk about pathologic, which means I, I, um, it's more about blaming each other. That's pathologic. That's okay. a pathological culture. So information is not flowing. Then you have the uh, bureaucratic, which is less of that, but more, I, I call it the bold and the beautiful, right? We have our thing and you have your thing and uh, it's fine and we don't take that much responsibility. That's how I explain it. Okay. And the generative, and they, they coupled high-performance teams to the generative one, it's we share information regardless. Yeah. And the, the only way to do that is that you create safety and that can be done with that, domain model, right? Exactly. That anyone is present and have the minimalistic concept of what you do and what do I do. Now I can take responsibility because I know together that we decided that this is mine. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a shared understanding yeah. that the ownership lies with us. Yeah, and where the problems lie. So this is your problem, this is my problem, and together we try to solve the problem. So it's, yeah. it's the together, you, you create, what, what they say, this is a nice research, right? If you create us versus them, which is polarization, you yep. usually see it in business versus IT. The moment you hear, yeah, it's business, this is IT, okay, be careful. Uh, there's a... There's a divide there. Yeah, you, they're, they're just um, shoving responsibilities wrongly there. Yeah. Um, and this also happens in that um, in, 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 in that concept where you have the polarization then going on there and people start stop communicating with each other and and that's really people stop sharing information. Yeah. Then it can get horrible for the entire organization, right? Because exactly. Information doesn't flow again. We're not doing it together. So the way to break that is create a common problem, and that's what you're doing in that session. You create a common goal. Exactly. They did the research with problem. Yeah, they did research on this with teams with children. Okay. In a camp, where they enforced them to battle against each other. And okay. they were really harsh to each other, both teams. And then they create a shared problem, yeah. and all of a sudden they start collaborating. Yeah. So it's it's easier than I just said because it takes a while, and you need you need to understand more of the underlying patterns there. So yeah. It's not easy, but um, that that is the goal you want to create. Exactly. Common understanding, common ground is the official term. Yeah. And it takes away then that whole battle that you have uh, within an organization of of communication and responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it probably makes you more efficient. Yeah. Uh, and only then, when, when we have the common ground, I can deep dive. I can go accurate. Yeah. Then, then we try to set boundaries where we can be accurate. In. Yeah. That's the bounded context. So we design solutions for a specific problem. Then we will be accurate on the language. We say we call it in here. And then we collaboratively design the language together. Yeah. Awesome, man. I, I love yeah. how you how you laid it out. To me, it makes perfect sense. Thanks. Um. I, I am wondering though, is is it for every company? Is it context dependent? Is it for every, let's say, uh, domain a company is in, uh, or kind of a market? Um, no, I think every company, um, small or big, can benefit from this mindset, this approach. Yeah. But not, and this is the this is the classic mistake I usually hear. Not every company will benefit from all the patterns that are in the book. Exactly. So like the aggregate pattern, usually when people start to implement domain-driven design, they say, okay, I need an aggregate. Well, maybe you don't. Yeah. Why? Why do you need it? So a pattern, the design pattern here is meant for to tackle a specific problem. Exactly. So again, I need to know the problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, but people already start searching for aggregates. 
Yeah. While that's just a way of doing it. Exactly. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need so that if you have a hammer, everything will be a nail. Yeah. And that's the same with the patterns is domain driven design. It's the approach, that's the most important part. The rest are all patterns principles. And you can use them or you cannot use them for a specific problem or not. Yeah. Um, and that's a classic mistake they usually people usually make when they start domain driven design because at the first start it's it's are the, the entities the aggregate patterns, the repository patterns, and those are really nice as me because I'm a software engineer's background. I like these patterns, right? That's yeah. what I love to do. Exactly. Only I cannot do it correctly if I don't know the strategic ones. Yeah. Um, but people fall for the trap of first starting there, and which is fine, by the way. I started that as well as that, and then, but I keep uh, asking myself, why am I doing this? Yeah. And I made a lot of mistakes, which is also fine. And then we can say, okay, now let's change it. Yeah. It's a, it's a constant kind of yeah. reflection that you do. Yeah. And also probably you need to let go of things that you believed yesterday were right. Yeah, sunk cost fallacy is a big thing, especially for enterprise architects, Yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. The, the, the kill your darlings, they call it in, right? Yeah. yeah that's a big thing. That's a big uh, bias. Yeah, I can imagine. I think that's hard, though, for people then to... Because how would I know if I'm reading, let's say, a new pattern, uh, where it applies to me and where it doesn't apply to me? Yeah, that's a... Tough question. Yeah. If the pattern, um, the only way to do that is experimenting. Yeah. In a in a, in in a confined space, in a safe to fail space. Okay. So, I always need to think about this because you have fail to save and save to fail. So if you fail, it's okay. You, exactly. You don't have any ripple effects in your organization. Yeah. So I'm a big, huge fan of experiments. We're yeah. not doing that enough. Uh, usually, we're trying to be exact and we're trying to be accurate again we're trying to be too um, um how do you call that i forget the name yeah we, we're trying to be perfect yeah the problem is a model in itself so we're modeling a model in itself is wrong george box says this, a model can be wrong but there can be two things about the model they, they can be helpful yeah or they can be outright dangerous exactly and you need and what I usually see is people trying to be perfect create dangerous models. Okay. People that fail and experiment usually try to uh, create the models that are helpful. Yeah, best for themselves probably. Yeah, in that moment in, that in context, time. Yeah. And, and what domain-driven design gives you if you do it correctly with the bounded context. And again, the bounded context, and I want to say this again, is not a boundary of a system. It's a boundary of language. And within that language boundary, you can have one or several systems. Hence, microservices uh, comes in there. Uh, but you can, if a model doesn't work, and if you do it correctly in decoupling, which are the strategic patterns, then you can get rid of that model and replace it with a different model. Quite, yeah. well, not simple, but quite okay-ish. Instead of the monoliths or the big ball of muds, well, I'm saying that wrong, the big ball of muds, because monolith is a perfect pattern. Yeah. Um, if you model it correctly. Exactly, it all depends. It all depends. Yeah. Yeah. You said, you mentioned earlier that companies don't experiment enough or, or teams within companies don't experiment enough. They're probably trying to nail it the, the first time through. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why don't they experiment more and have more uh, of a... Because to me, when you say experiment, it's more of a scientific approach. What works yeah. A versus B uh, yeah. and why? And that means why we can continue with it. Yeah, or the OODA loop, what they call it. Or uh, yeah, try something out and check what it does, analyze it and yeah. respond. Yeah, exactly. I think it has to do two things. So in IT companies, most classic companies that weren't IT companies but 
are now IT companies or yeah. are thinking that they're not IT companies, but they're actually so the bigger bigger banks, the bigger enterprises. What how they perceive IT is that it's a cost center. Yeah. Right? That's usually there's also a specific separate IT department, which in my sense you're already type or categorize IT as something different than your product. You, which initialize that divide. Yeah, it's already, you already create an us versus them. Exactly. Right? Business versus IT, you create it in your, uh, and this is an interesting one if you, this is a big thing in DDDs, the Conway's Law. Yeah. Which actually makes HR, it's already creating that structure of communication or creating your systems by doing that that way. And what I then see is that usually they see IT as a cost center, so also a negotiation to say, here is what I want, you build it. Yeah. Problem with IT, and, and they perceive it as something they can, because we have architects, the metaphor usually used is building a house. Yeah. But house building is in a, an ordered domain. It's, it has a body of knowledge that goes way back so the patterns they're being used are much more hard. It's first of all, it's hardware. It's yep. harder to change once you've done it. But it's also people know a lot more about it. It's what in Kinevin they call it the ordered domain. It's it's quite when I do this, this happens. So you can calculate the mass that will be put on a on a wall or something. Exactly. And we keep using that metaphor for software. And software is not. Uh, that kind of engineering no. because it's a creative process of learning because not if it already existed you could grab it from the shelf right, the shelf yeah and you're not so then by default you're assuming that this problem isn't solved yet exactly that's what we do in making a house you're picking something that's already being built and you place it somewhere else so exactly you're not exploring how to make a house no, and that you, makes you perfect know what sense. works yeah, yeah. Makes perfect sense sometimes they're exploring new but then they reuse things that already worked yeah and in it we have patterns that already worked in a specific context but the problem you're facing is different the context is totally different and we don't have the required knowledge to really put design patterns correctly there and yeah. see that and it's soft so we cannot see it it's so, not tangible. No, it's not tangible. So I see misalignment in a building. Yeah. I always have this nice picture where you have the uh, escape uh, stairs next yeah. to the to to the doors. It's like one meter off. It's like yeah, yeah it's misaligned. You just missed it. In software, you don't see that. Exactly. Uh, the developers experience, but people who who want it don't. They don't see it. Yeah. And that's the thing. And then it goes into trust. And that's a trust issue because you need to trust that the software developer is saying what they are actually s- wanting you to do. Yeah, we got, we made a mistake. Oh, but that was my money. Yeah. You see, again, the polarity. Exactly. And I want to have certainty. Certainty is the second thing. So it's not a collaborative thing they're doing. It's my money. I'm the business. And it makes sense because from their part, so turning it around again, seeing yeah. their part, they're being targeted on specific budgets. Yeah. Right. Here's your budget. You need to create this, and then they're gonna go negotiate. Can we do this with this budget? And then you start it, and they cannot tell you if there's uncertainty. They don't know if they can build it with that budget. Yeah. And that's what's going wrong in 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 all of that communication between all of these departments. Put IT together with that business. Give them a budget and ownership over it. Then you're gonna start creating much better software. Exactly, but because then you know what the budget is, 
you know how to apply it. And you have shared responsibility on it. Exactly. It's, it's not that you as an IT f- screwed up because you said that then and then you ordered this and this and this. That's where the whole estimation goes wrong. Estimations yeah. are for the team to do, to improve on themselves. It's yeah. not something to forecast and communicate with stakeholders with. I see so many times that stakeholders come in, yeah, na- last time you, you, you said five, you, five points, but can't you do it in three? Yeah. No, this is not a negotiation. Exactly. <laughs> Estimates are for the team to estimate and find new, um, new insights for themselves to yeah. improve. And yes, we need forecasting, so we need roadmaps. I'm not saying we don't need that, but that's a that's all it is, is an estimation. We cannot tell you for sure exactly. if we make it. Yeah, it always has its own range, and, yeah. and it can be wrong as well. And each sprint or each one or two weeks, we update it, we got new insights, agile, inspect, adapt. So we uh, inspected, we tried something, and now we can update the roadmap and improve our own estimations towards you every two weeks. Yeah, That's all it is, but it goes completely wrong as soon as estimations are being used for forecasting. Yeah, that makes That's, sense. Yeah, that, and then there you see this struggle again that of certainty. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. But then that's you're saying that's the reason why companies don't experiment as much. They want certainty over. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's because of the budget they they get allocated. Yeah. What you've mentioned is also um, that the problem lies within HR, or we have a business versus IT situation. Yeah, I'm not There's saying. Yeah, I'm not not sure if it's a problem, but it yeah. starts there. Yeah. yeah exactly. But it, it's it's so like all encompassing what yeah. you're laying out there. Yeah, it could be of impact on every single department that we that we have within a company. Yeah. Um, so when you're actually implementing domain-driven design, I'm guessing those people are part of the the thirty people group that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, to have that discussion. Yeah, because that change of shift needs to happen across organization, right? Yeah, it's and not just one part of the organization that needs to work like this. It's it's kind of all of it. Eventually, yes, you start with a smaller group. Yeah, not everyone can be there. We try to get everyone in. Yeah. Uh, that's not possible. Exactly. Um, but the change needs to start somewhere. First, there needs to be um, compassion towards each other, towards that you need this. Yeah. And that's what we try to do in that session. Try to gain each other's viewpoint, put it on there. Yeah, but I'm dealing with this situation. Yeah, I'm dealing with this situation. And listen to each other, what you're dealing with, and yeah. understand each other's pain. And then you can create that. Yeah. Exactly, because that never comes up, you think, in a in a traditional setting i have i have big picture event storms where people just met okay which is well i already bang for your money right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah we already brought room. value yeah, yeah you put exactly. it in a room and they met each other for the first time well yeah. and your colleagues in the, in the banks like yeah exactly my mind sometimes but um i understand that this happens by the way i'm, I'm being a bit funny and belligerent sometimes about sure. it but yeah. I understand that these patterns happen because it's not a pattern of the person; it's a pattern of the company. It's a f- and the culture what they there. Call, yeah, fractal patterns in anthropology. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm. I'm still like there's a l- there's been a lot of information sharing mm-hmm. right here, um, but I'm wondering why was it DDD uh, for you mainly from yeah, a so personal point of view? Let's yeah, say. I I started at um, at an insurance company, an asset management of the insurance company. Yeah, and. Uh, I was like, couldn't understand what I'm doing. Yeah. So I was looking uh, to solve something, and I, well, 
I went on the internet and I found domain-driven design. And I say, wow, this relates to me. Yeah. Because I wanted to know what problem I'm solving. And exactly. I didn't know. I had seven people coming to me. We didn't use Scrum yet. And it was like, yeah, you need to do this, you need to do this. But why? What problem are you solving? And then because I got that workshop, yeah. I got into more of the problem. And I and I say, okay. And then at some point what they were working there and makes total sense, right? But they're working with a canonical data model and an enterprise surface bus. Sure. So the canonical data model language, right? And which is in the middle and it's a shared language within that company, which as I mentioned before, it's not doable because yeah. if you want to change it, I need to negotiate on what, how precise can we be on this language? We can't because accrued interest for risk is something totally for portfolio management. Yeah to say something. So the domains couldn't agree on a shared language. So then I came into domain driven design and it made sense. Oh, language. So what I did there is decouple the canonical data model and moved it towards the... Um, so we kept the ESB intact, but we moved the, the language yeah. towards the domains itself. So removing the canonical data model in, in the middle, but say, okay, this part of the canonical data model is ownership of this part. And okay. Creating the bounded context in a way. Yeah, and that's why I um, got into domain driven design. Then we hit it into solvency two, which is something an asset management says. Well, you know, the banks did horrible. Yeah. <laughs> now you need to give us all the information. And then uh, the analyst came in with an Excel with like three hundred lines. This is the data they need. I say, but what does this mean? Okay, uh, I want portfolio management. I want risk, and I want that in a room. Let's model it together. So I, back then it was just boxes and arrows, right? So this data field, where does it fit in the whole scheme? What do you think? Yeah. And this is how we created the solve C2 model and say, okay, this comes from there and this comes from there. So that's how I got to meet domain-driven design. And a lot of things that were, were there were already working. For instance, they had a monitor on business events. So they had an investment transaction and the monitor went to red if there wasn't a business transaction in the morning. Yeah. And our functional controllers could see that and we could collaborate on that shared language. Say, well, today no investment transaction came through the ESB. Yeah. Okay, let's look together. So when then we looked at the source together, collaboration, because exactly. we had that shared concepts. And that's how I got into domain-driven design. And I worked there for four or five years, junior developer, tech lead, uh, software architect at some point. Yeah. And I learned a lot there, introducing DevOps. Well, they were already doing DevOps, while well, it wasn't called DevOps. So I was really lucky uh, that it hit me back there. That that collaboration, it worked. I saw it work. Yeah, exactly. and then I went to do the consultancy. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a that's a completely different game, I, I guess. Or well, people call me if they have problems. Exactly, so that's the difference. Not if it's already. So we, I wouldn't call myself in that situation because exactly. it was already working. Yeah. Well, as far as I know, things weren't working, but most of it it was working. Yeah. Did you let's say let's go back to the very beginning where you you first read about these concepts and we're trying to implement them put the same people in the room mm -hmm. and try to figure figure things out collaboratively um did you get a lot of pushback through that or not necessarily um no no back then we had a really nice because my mentor was there right and yep. he already nudged people in that collaboration and put their position in yeah so we knew from each other what our position in the company was and usually what happens in a team is that that isn't discussed. So what what do you bring and what do you take, right? Yeah. That's not being discussed usually. So then it creates fear. You know, who are you and what are you doing here? And uh, uh, what are you going to take my job? Or? That's very confrontational. Yeah. yeah. So if we don't talk about that, 
you cannot collaborate. So the first thing you always need to do in a collaborative session is from Deep Democracies, do a check-in. Yeah. Know why people are here, for what reason, and what do they bring, and what do they get. And w- and the biggest question I always ask, why don't you want to be here? Which is really weird. People always say, why are you asking this if I give a training? Why don't you want to be here? Well, I have lo- I have pain in my neck or something, and sometimes you need to go, oh, oh great to know. Instead of me assuming that you're just being grumpy today oh now i know why you're grumpy yeah so what is your position so that really helped the the, the my mentor well i just discussed this morning yeah. he, he told me my coach like that's what i did back there and now it makes sense to me that why the collaboration then was working get into consultancy wasn't working again why not and i start exploring uh, these concepts why it wasn't working yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that it kind of came from a gut feeling of, of, I think this is what we should do. Uh, and then later on, you now have a more of a, a general grasp of things. And it's actually a confirmation that you did act accordingly. Yeah. Uh, and, and have that result. Yeah. And such. I've seen both sides now. So I know what works. I know what doesn't work. And I know some patterns. And yeah, that's totally awesome. not there yet. But yeah. it's a journey that keeps growing. And it's really yeah. fun. Back to the question I, I asked somewhere in the middle. Um, is, is domain-driven design then kind of a silver bullet? You said to no. some extent, companies will benefit from it, from yeah. certain aspects, and other companies will d- benefit from a whole different array of aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but is it that silver bullet, you think? So I think the approach always can work. Yeah. It depends on your culture, right? If I, from the, I've made this mistake as a consultant coming in and say, we need to collaborate, and then the cultural patterns weren't there of collaboration. So it won't work. But it's good to at least try, yeah. Because it's not; it doesn't even have to do with domain-driven design. But just listening to what your customer wants is, I think, one of the most essential things for a software company to do. Exactly. Uh, and and the approach works. Just the patterns, no. There's yeah. no silver bullet. I don't believe in silver bullets. There's always an it depends. Yeah. Awesome. And you probably learned that a lot, a lot more yeah. doing yeah. consultancy instead of being in the same company. Yeah. We always take way. one approach, so yeah. one tactic, and we keep it like that. To get more into a coding mindset, you can you can write unit tests in two ways. Martin Fowler just wrote a brilliant piece on it. You can do social test, he calls it. Yeah. So one unit test needs several other units to perform his test. Yeah. That's a social one. So I need more, or I do the isolation part. I mock everything away. And what I usually see is that e- it's either or, but exactly. you need both and. You need both approaches. It yeah. depends when you use what. And usually we just take one approach. I did it in the past. I just take one approach and always go with that. But yeah, experiment on the other approach. See how it works. Exactly. Don't be afraid. So now you come in with more of an exploratory mindset and yep. experimental mindset. Exactly. Yeah, that sounds awesome, man. Thanks. Cool. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having I had me. had a lot of fun. Really liked it. Yeah, right? Let's yes. do this again sometime. Definitely. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Kenny Bass. Thank you. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders.